This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, uh, it's really good to see all of you here today. And I uh, hope you're excited to hear from the parables because I think it's a really wonderful part of the Bible which we need to pay attention to. Uh, if I have to cough a little bit, uh, well, I hope you excuse me. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we really pray that you will indeed, uh, as we have learned in the, just reading the parables, uh, really have attentive hearts and attentive ears and minds, and that uh, indeed we will be the ones uh, who will be able to hear and to understand, to see and to perceive, so that we will be the ones who are insiders into the kingdom. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I had a friend, uh, my, actually it wasn't my friend, it was my father's friend who lives in Australia, and uh, he had three cars, uh, and they were not cheap ones. Uh, he had a beautiful, massive, luxurious house with about five bedrooms. He had a swimming pool and a tennis court, uh, as well as a view of the ocean. And uh, my father's friend uh, had great expectations because he invested in a business, uh, in, uh, in a project actually, in China, where they were meant to build these highways. And it was a huge project. Uh, there were all sorts of people involved in it. And he had huge expectations for it. But fortunately, uh, there was great disappointment with the project. Uh, there was uh, problem after problem after problem. And he poured millions and millions upon millions of dollars into this project. But ultimately, the project was actually abandoned. And so he had to sell his three cars. Uh, he sold his house with the five bedrooms. Uh, and uh, in the end, he actually lived in a rented two-bedroom apartment. And his wife had to work in the night shift as a hospital to support them. So what began with uh, great expectations actually ended with great disappointment. And in many ways, as we come to this part of the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, it's a bit like that, right? So at the beginning, there was great expectation. Uh, but at the end, as we saw last week, there was disappointment. So we began, as we look up here on the slide, <clears throat> where Jesus comes in with these great expectations. He comes in. And we expect great things about Jesus, from Jesus. He comes in saying, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And after that, we saw very clearly that there were great signs of the reality that he was the Christ, and that he was the Son of God, and he was bringing in, indeed, the kingdom of God. He taught of authority, he healed, he cast out demons, he forgave sins, he was the Lord of the Sabbath, as we saw last week, and he overcame Satan. So there were great expectations uh, about Jesus. But as we saw last week, and it was hinted at even the week before that, uh, there was great disappointment with Jesus. And as we can see, as we're reading through, um, last week we saw that the religious leaders, the religious authorities themselves, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, were very angry with Jesus. Uh, they called him uh, a blasphemer. They accused him of eating with tax collectors and sinners. They asked him why he was not fasting, why he was breaking the Sabbath law. They accused him of being possessed by demons, and then they plotted to kill him. So what began seemingly with great expectations of chapter 1 and 2, as we saw the last two weeks, actually seems to be leading to disappointment. Because how can the religious leaders of God's people themselves seemed to be so angry with Jesus to call him such names and make such accusations and finally even want 
to kill him. So that's where we find ourselves today, right? That's the context of the parables, right? It's not kind of like in the middle of nowhere. There's a, it flows within the story itself. So Jesus then, at this part in Mark chapter 4, tells a series of parables. And he begins with uh, the first parable. Okay, so the parable of the sower is a bit unfamiliar to us uh, because I guess we're not really farmers. And even if we were farmers, we're not really familiar with the um, uh, ancient way of uh, farming, so to speak. So apparently, from what I understand, in the ancient world, what they would do is they will carry a bit like a bag like this, as you can see in this picture. And then within the bag, it's like a seed bag, right? And within the seed bag, you obviously have seeds, okay? But I've got ping pong balls, alright? So what they would do then is they would take the seeds, also known as ping pong balls, and they would throw it, right? Now, as you can see from the ping pong balls, they, they go everywhere. And that's what actually is meant to happen. They're meant to throw the seeds, and then as they throw the seeds all around the field, what would happen is after they throw the seeds, they would then go about plowing, the seeds into the ground. But obviously, they would be, because of the, as you can see from my table tennis balls, there's a randomness to the, to the way the seeds are thrown. So, some of the seed would end up on the path which the farmer and probably uh, his uh, colleagues would be walking along in order to be throwing the seeds, right? I mean, they don't kind of like walk everywhere. They kind of like walk along the paths in order to throw the seeds left and right. And these paths will obviously be very hard. And obviously on the pathway, the seeds wouldn't, when they were plowing the field, they would not be able to plow the pathways very well because they would be hard ground. And the seeds themselves then would be subject to birds coming and uh, being eaten. And then there would be some seeds would, which would fall on uh, what would be rocky ground. Uh, on the visible eye, uh, this would look like good soil, yeah, because, you know, it looks like all the other soil. But the problem is actually, uh, the problem is actually just below the surface in Palestine, uh, where these would be uh, familiar, the, the farmers would be familiar with, there would be a very thin layer of limestone. So on the surface, it actually looks like it's good soil, but actually it's only very thin soil. And it's not until the, the plant starts growing that you realize that it's, uh, it's very shallow, and the roots can't grow, and as a result, when the sun comes up, there's not enough nutrient, there's not enough water, and then the plant, the next slide, will die. <clears throat> Some of the other seed would fall on soil, which also visibly looks like good soil. But actually, if you look a bit closer, you'll see that uh, within that soil are uh, the seeds of uh, weeds and thorns. And what would happen is, when you then plow the field subsequently, uh, the weeds and uh, the seed of your harvest would be kind of like mixed up. But obviously, if, uh, if you've ever done any gardening at all, you realize that weeds always grow faster than the, your good plants, right? And so both of them would be plowed into the ground, but the weeds would end up growing faster. And again, your harvest would be lost because uh, those good seeds that you had there would be choked by the weeds and the thorns and the thistles. And finally then, you'd actually have the seed which falls on the good soil. And then this would lead to a good crop, a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times. Very simple story. Uh, very simple for the people of those days to understand. 
in a sense, now that I've explained it to you, you understand it too. It's a very, very simple story. But what the question uh, begs is, what is the parable? Right? What is the meaning of a parable? Uh, have you ever asked yourself the question? What is a parable? Right, how would you define a parable? Well, basically speaking, a parable is a simple story. I mean, actually, when you look at all the parables and throughout the whole Bible, they're actually relatively simple stories, right? That's why when you go to children's church, we're always talking about parables because parables are simple, right? Even kids can understand parables. I mean, it's not very difficult. It's not like rocket science. Which come from nature, these simple stories from nature or from everyday life. <clears throat> and in a sense, they reveal or illuminate or disclose and show a spiritual truth. So within the parables, so to speak, there are spiritual truths or spiritual comparisons or spiritual equivalences. Uh, so if you look at the next slide, I think. Yes, that's right. Very well done. Okay. So if you look at the, the parable itself, you'll notice that there, are, that, that there are various points made within the simple story. But these points within the story are meant to have an equivalent or comparative spiritual truth. Now, obviously, we've already heard the explanation from Jesus, so we know what the equivalences are or the comparisons are. But you can imagine that you're, if you're just hearing the story, like I threw the table tennis balls and I explained to you about the seeds, and I were to ask you, what does this mean in a spiritual sense? It would actually be really difficult. Right? You'd actually struggle and think. You'd really, really have to think very hard and you'd have to reflect and meditate and use your imagination to try to understand what is Jesus talking about. And actually, as we then come to what Jesus says in verse 10 and 12, we then see that actually the parable is not so simple after all. Right, the parable is not so revealing after all. It's not so illuminating. In verse 10 to 12, this is what Jesus says about the parables. Okay, next slide. <coughs> okay, in verse 10 to 12, if you look up in your Bibles, it says, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, the quote here uh, actually comes from our, our responsive reading. So, I hope that you all came early enough to the service to do the responsive reading because it really makes a lot of sense then when we then apply it to this uh, passage which is what Jesus is saying. It comes from the book of Isaiah and in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was cleansed by God in order to be his preacher. Right? God empowered and gave the mission to Isaiah to preach to his people, God's people. But the problem was, Isaiah's ministry God says, was not a, a mission of preaching so that people will be saved, but rather a mission of preaching to condemn people because when he preached, they would harden their hearts and judgment would be even more certain for them. So the prophet Isaiah, if you see here, next slide. <coughs> oh, okay. After the next one? Okay, next one. 
Uh, it's actually quite sad. We, we did Isaiah last year, right? Uh, because he was never going to be a successful preacher in that sense, right? He was never going to preach and then people would repent. Uh, he's not going to be like a Jonah or something. But he would actually preach to confirm people into judgment. Uh, that's why if you look at this picture, you see he's not a very happy preacher. And you see that actually in the background, people are being take, taken into exile because through his preaching, so to speak, God confirms people into judgment. And that's what Jesus is saying about the parables. The parables themselves, so to speak, do not necessarily reveal spiritual truth, illuminate spiritual truth, but rather they can harden people's hearts and bring them into judgment. So to a certain degree, the parables, if you look at the next slide, uh, they are not so much revealing devices or illuminating devices, but they are more like, uh, if you click four times, I think, they are more like dividing, uh, dividing device. I click again, yep. So it divides between the insiders and the outsiders, right? So for the insiders, they are able to then understand the parable. They are able to understand what the parable is about. But for the outsiders, it actually hardens them in their unbelief. And this is exactly what we've been reading in the last two weeks. Because for the religious leaders, so to speak, the Pharisees and the teachers of law, it seemed as if this Jesus, when we read about Jesus, was a great disappointment. Right? I mean, like, you know, the religious leaders, these are the very most powerful people of God's people in Israel at the time. They reject Jesus, they're angry at Jesus, they want to kill Jesus. But Jesus is saying that, actually, his ministry, as he speaks in parables, divides people into two camps. Those who are the insiders, who understand, who see, who apply, who gain knowledge and are saved. And the outsiders, who see and hear, but they never really perceive, they never really understand, and as a result, they are hardened and reject Jesus. And that's exactly the situation that we see up to this point in chapter 4. <clears throat> there are now two groups of people who respond differently to the preaching of Jesus about the kingdom of God. So, um, last year, actually, or the year before, in preparation for uh, preaching, I read this book, uh, which is here. Wow, not very thin. 450 pages. Uh, and it's all about parables, right? It's only about parables, nothing else but parables. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I would recommend it to you. If you want to buy it, it's on Amazon. I can lend it to you. It's, it's really amazing. It just looks at every parable. Well, actually, I realize not every lot, but more, more or less a lot of the parables in the Bible. And I think it's really fascinating because there's so much to learn from the parables. But at the same time, um, I remember giving my friend, uh, after the Mark drama, uh, a small copy of the Gospel of Mark. And I've given it to other friends as well. And so every time I ask them, I say, oh no, have you read that little pamphlet I gave you of a lot? Like, 15 pages or something, they say, oh, no, no, I'm too busy, I skimmed through it, I don't remember where I put it, right? For, for me, I think like even the chapter of Mark chapter 4 is so fascinating, there's so much to learn about the kingdom of God. But for someone who is an outsider to the kingdom in a sense, 
They can't even spend 30 seconds looking at it. For them, 30 seconds is too long to really consider what Jesus is saying. But the problem is not with Jesus, who is the Christ. The problem is not with the kingdom of God that he brings. The problem really is with the hearing and the understanding and the perceiving. And that's the point that I think Jesus is trying to make. That the disappointment is not with Jesus or with the kingdom of God. It comes about because the response of the hearer is not really understanding, not really apprehending the reality of the Christ or the kingdom of God. So let's turn now to what Jesus explains about the parable of the soils. So let's look at verse 10 again. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything is said in parables. Okay, and again, verse 13, right? Oh, verse 14, sorry. Uh, The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some hundred times what was sown. Now here then, <clears throat> if you look at the picture diagrammatically, so actually, I realize that uh, some people are very visual, right? They, they're not so auditory. They actually like all these diagrams, right? And I, so I hope it's helpful for you. But you can see that there is a spiritual equivalent that Jesus gives to each element of the simple story from nature. So the farmer, in a sense, if we look at the context of what's happening in the book of Mark, really is Jesus. Because he is the one who's sowing the word and is preaching. Right? He's the one going around, he's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He's the one who is sowing the word of God. The seed is then the word, the word about the Christ, the word then about the kingdom of God. Each element of the soils then represents a different type of hearer to the word, how they receive the seed, how they receive the word that Jesus is preaching. And so the first group of people on the path are the hard-hearted ones, the ones where the seed takes no root, the word takes no root and is immediately lost. These are like the unbelievers. And we can see this in the religious leaders, right? in the the teachers of the law, in the Pharisees. Uh, The ones who are on the rocky ground, I would call these people like the superficial believers. They're not committed. There's no root. So when suffering and persecution and hard times come, tough times come, uh, they fall away, right? They, they wilt and they falter. And the ones which are sown among the thorns are like the, in a sense, <clears throat> the distracted believer. They are unwilling to persevere or endure when there are other attractions which draw them away from Jesus. 
And then finally, the true disciples are the one who bear fruit and produce a crop. Now, if you look at this diagram, you, you may be mistaken to think that actually there are four types of believers, right? Because you know there are four soils, right? So, but actually, that's where you, you, you really need to think through the parables. Because the parables are so fascinating, right? Because you need to kind of like hold in your hand and keep looking at them. Because in reality, the next slide, there are actually not four types of, uh, I guess, believers in a sense. There are only two types, right? Uh, because you see, when you see it from uh, the perspective of uh, the hearers in Jesus' time, uh, let's say you're a farmer, okay? Uh, you're the farmer and you have to, you know, go with your back and, and, and throw the seeds. <clears throat> um, actually, uh, you're only interested in the seed which bears fruit, isn't it? Can you imagine you're like making corn or, I don't know, probably yeah, harvesting corn or whatever. You're only interested in the harvest which you can harvest to sell at the market. So whether the seed gets eaten by the birds on the rocky path, whether the, the, the plant wilts before it can even bear fruit, or whether the, your corn is you know, overwhelmed by the weeds, all these soils are all useless to you because you can't, you can't actually sell. There's no corn at the end of the day, right? There's no harvest for you to sell. So for the hearer, and what Jesus is really trying to say is, there is only really two types of good and bad soil. Two types of good, in a sense, and bad seeds or outcomes. And that's where we are meant to reflect on ourselves, I think, to a certain degree. Uh, because when we hear the parable, the parable is not just meant for understanding. Uh, that is not true hearing of the parable. True hearing of the parable is also application into our individual lives. Uh, so one way of understanding it is, uh, the next slide, uh, true hearing, oh, it ended up with that, okay, is actually the word here is descriptive, okay? Uh, tr- the true hearing of the parable is, is descriptive. You, you understand what it's saying, right? You understand the spiritual equivalence, you understand the spiritual comparisons. Uh, but true hearing also is, the next slide, the next click, is that it's prescriptive. It's like, you know, a doctor tells you you must take this medicine three times a day after meals. You know, it's like there is a prescriptive element to the parable. It tells you what you need to do. And I remember this quote that I got from uh, uh, some commentaries. The next slide, where it says, uh, they understand the provocative claims of the parables very well but they are not prepared to accept it. Uh, this is not a matter of mere intellectual capacity, but rather willingness and obedience. So to truly hear the parable, is not just to understand it at a descriptive level, but to be letting the prescriptive element work in our hearts. We need to apply it to ourselves. So we judge the situation of the parable, and then we judge ourselves within the situation of the parable. And so, as you read the parable of souls, it, it, it makes you ask yourself that question, right? If you are willing to ask that question and apply it to yourself. And the first question really is, hey, how come I'm so small now? Which soil are you, right? I, I need to 
change my font to that. Which soil are you? Right? Because that's really the question that the parable is kind of like uh, working in you as you sort of think about it. What, what is the soil that you are? Uh, if you have refused the word of God, is it because Satan has taken away the word from your heart? If you are someone who is unwilling to suffer uh, for Jesus, is it because you are the shallow soil? Uh, if you are the distracted Christian, right? You are distracted with many things, work, wealth, worries. Is it because you are, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like pressed in by the thorns and thistles of this life? I guess also the last, the next question really must be then, as we come to the last soil, click again one more time. It's like, what harvest uh, do you produce in your life? What fruit is there in your life? Because it's not enough to say, okay, I'm not the first three, right? But then if you're not the first three, then how are you the fourth soil? Because if there's no fruit or harvest in your life, then are you the fourth soil? See, you see how the parable needs to be working in your mind and and churning and reflecting. What fruit is there in your life? If there is no fruit, then you must be one of the first three soils. So, you know, it's very worrying, right? Because, you know, when you come to these parable things, it kind of messes with your mind a bit, right? Because you may have come to church this morning thinking you are an insider to the kingdom. But then as you listen to the parable of Jesus, you, you realize, hey, actually, maybe I'm not an insider. I'm actually an outsider to the kingdom. Because I'm not the false soil. Because only the false soil is the insider to the kingdom, the one who's listening properly, descriptively, and prescriptively applying it to their life. So, uh, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I watched this Netflix movie called, uh, it's a bit small actually, uh, The Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. It's really fascinating. It's three one-hour Documentary. I know nothing about this guy. When I watched it, I thought it was really fant- fantastic. <clears throat> and it's about this uh, football star who, who signs like a 40 million US dollar contract, right? But he's actually a, a murderer. Like, anyway, you can read it. You can watch it yourself if you want to. It's really, really good. Uh, you don't really see anything bad about it. It's just, you know, maybe there's some swear languages about it. But I remember one quote that uh, came to me. <coughs> And this guy said, <coughs> excuse me, he said, life is a collection of your choices. And I think that's very true, isn't it? Uh, we have a lot of choices that we make, who we marry, what job we do, um, where you live, uh, you know, decisions in your life. Your life is a collection of your choices. And I think as we come to the parables, it forces us to make the most urgent choice, which is how do we listen to Jesus, right? Which soil do I want to choose to be? Because that's, that choice really is uh, the fundamental choice which will determine whether we are insiders to the kingdom of God or outsiders. Now, once we understand then the parable of the soils, then Jesus then goes on and gives us some more parables. So in verse 21 to 23, uh, it says, <clears throat> Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? 
For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, now this is a really simple, simple, simple illustration from, from simple living, right? I mean, like everybody knows that when you buy your IKEA lamp or whatever, or from uh, Q10 or whatever nowadays, you don't put the lamp under your bed, right? Because that is not the function of the lamp. The, the function or the purpose of lamps is to provide light. And so you need to put it at a high place to illuminate. So what has this got to do with the kingdom of God? I think what Jesus is saying really is that his coming into the world is like a lamp. Right? He is, he, he's not going to hide himself and neither is he going to hide the kingdom of God. But rather... He comes into the world to reveal and to illuminate the kingdom of God. And that's why he goes about his ministry, right? He goes about healing people, casting out demons. He goes out preaching and teaching because he's illuminating and revealing the kingdom of God. And when we understand it that way then, then verse 24 and 25 are then the key verses to apply to this parable. And in verse 24 it says, Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more, whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. <coughs> now the measure is something like, you know when you take, uh, actually it doesn't quite work, but when you have kids, right, you know how um, you have to measure liquid medicine, you know, like 5 mils, 10 mils, 20 mils. Okay, so that's a measure. Or for those of you who cook, um, you know, you measure rice. So, you, you know, you, you, for two people, it's like, you know, one cup rice, one person, half cup rice, you know, half cup rice, one and a half cup water. You know how it works, like, huh? Okay? So the measure is the measure, obviously, that they would be very familiar with. But Jesus uses this parable and says, look, you know, the way you measure is you measure what you hear. What is the measure that you use for what you hear Jesus saying? And what he's really saying is, if the measure you use to, to listen to Jesus is a measure of sincere seeking of understanding. If you use a measure of coming to Jesus to gain insight and understanding based on faith and belief, then you will be given a lot. Right? You will be like a, a sponge which soaks up information about the knowledge of God. And on top of that, you receive a salvation far richer than you can expect. But conversely, oppositely, if the measure you use to hear Jesus is one of cynicism, one of skepticism, one of being superficial and being bochup, you can't be bothered listening to Jesus, then even the little that you have of your understanding of Jesus will in the end be lost and ultimately even your salvation will be lost. Now, within this context here in the book of Mark, 
what Jesus is really saying is for the, for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they have lots of understanding, but because they come to Jesus with this measure of skepticism and cynicism and opposition, the knowledge that they have is actually useless. Because at the end of the day, it won't bring them salvation. For ourselves too, if we come uh, to Jesus, and we come to Jesus, and we come to God's word with a measure of being superficial, being can't be bothered, being it's not very important, then even the little knowledge we have ultimately will be lost. And I think that's very true. I often come across people who don't take God's word very seriously. Uh, they don't take Jesus' words very seriously. They kind of like say, well, uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is God's word, but I, I, I really don't have time to read it, or I don't really want to apply it to my life. So, it's not very important. Maybe I just listen to it at church once in a while, and during the sermon, I'm not really paying attention, and if it's too challenging, I'll just uh, ignore it, or just, you know, think of something else. And it's not surprising then that several years down the road, these people are no longer Christian because the measure that they use is not the measure of faith or sincere seeking or understanding, but the measure that they use is actually one of uh, uh, superficiality. The measure of, I can't really be bothered to apply myself to understand. I, can't, I, I just can't be bothered. And so with the measure you use, Jesus says, you either get a lot or you will end up with nothing. Now then, Jesus then uh, comes to the last two parables, <clears throat> which we are recorded here by Mark. And both of them really are very similar in one way to the other. Uh, so the first one is the parable of the growing seed. Uh, so verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, and the harvest has come. Uh, it begins here with a seed, right? The seed is very small and very insignificant. Um, some commentators actually say that it's not just small, but it's kind of contemptuous. Because the seed is like very nothing, right? Uh, and in a way, in a sense, that's how the religious teachers or maybe society at large view the word of God that is preached. It's like, ah, oh, you know, what is this nonsense, right? It's, a, it's just a small seed. It doesn't look right. It's very significant. When we look around, the seed, the word of God, right, the Bible, may seem like nothing much. It's just a book of words. Or the you know, the preaching of Jesus is not very powerful, it's just words, right? But Jesus then goes on to say that this seed has an invisible and an irresistible growth, right? It's almost as if the farmer is doing nothing, right? He's just lazing around. But the seed keeps growing. Whether he's sleeping, whether he's awake, whether he's eating, whether he's working, the seed just keeps growing, right? Invisibly, irresistibly. The seed grows and grows and grows, until it's time for the harvest, and then the man comes and harvests it. Now really, this is <clears throat> a parable of encouragement, right? Because it seems to be saying that even from its small, 
you know, smallness, it just keeps growing and growing. And, and it seems as it is it's irresistible and visible. So, God's purposes for the kingdom of God is greater than people's active opposition and obstruction of the kingdom. It just keeps growing irresistibly and invisibly because that's God's intention for it. And it will come to pass that this kingdom will reach its full size. So therefore, uh, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. If we were to read it back, in a sense, uh, to the parable of the soils, it's almost like saying, uh, don't be the first three soils, don't be discouraged by persecution, don't be discouraged by suffering, because the kingdom keeps growing even when people are physically opposed to it. Uh, this was very real in Jesus' time, obviously, with the Pharisees and the teachers of law. This was very real when Mark composed the Gospel of Mark, because there was great Roman persecution during this time. So it's like, you know, don't be discouraged, don't despair that the, the forces of this world are trying to, to destroy the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God will keep growing invisibly and irresistibly regardless of what people do. But it's also, in a sense, um, to a certain degree, a parable of judgment, right? Because if you look at the last part, he says as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Um, so again, some people say, well, the spiritual equivalent to this is that judgment will come when it's time to come. Uh, so the harvest time in the Bible often is a, a picture of judgment. So it's also a parable warning, right? Because as the, as the kingdom keeps growing irresistibly, as the kingdom keeps growing irresistibly, there will come a time where the kingdom will reach its fruition and judgment will come. And so there's a warning too for us. If we understand the parable, all the more you need to be the fourth soil. Finally now we come to the last parable. The parable of the mustard seed. Okay, um, right. Again, he said, What should we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Um, okay, uh, go back one slide. Uh, actually, um, someone um, gave me mustard seed before. I was looking for it, but I can't find it anymore. They put it in a little bookmark. It was kind of like this. Like looks like peppercorns, much more than peppercorns, in like stuck in the uh, sticky paper, lah. Okay, but that's what a mustard seed really looks like. Um, I can't find it anymore. But this is what a mustard seed. So it's really small, right? Do you think it's small? I think it's pretty small, right? But yeah, at the end of the day, the mustard seed grows. The next slide to be really huge, right? Like, can you imagine? It's like a huge, a huge tree. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It has very small beginnings. It's like very insignificant. It's contemptuous, so to speak. But at the end of the day, it will be this large, large kingdom. And, and it can actually give shelter to you, right? I think that's the picture, right? Even the birds find their shelter there. And so as we understand this parable, it's really trying to tell us um, that, that you must keep 
faith with the kingdom of God. Right? It may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but at the end of the, uh, the next slide, but at the end of the day, um, it will grow to be the largest kingdom. And for those who persevere with the kingdom of God, they will find their shelter there. I had a disappointing um, conversation uh, a while ago with somebody. And this person I knew was a Christian for many years. And they went overseas to study. Uh, and they're working overseas. So I caught up this person a while ago. And this person is actually thinking of uh, giving up being a Christian. And I asked this person, I said, why? Why do you want to give up being a Christian, right? And, um, and after talking for quite a while, I realized that it wasn't because uh, Jesus Christ had changed. Because, you know, Jesus Christ has been the same forever. It wasn't because her understanding of the Bible had changed. Uh, but the problem was because what had changed was the person now feels uh, pressure, intense pressure. Intense pressure from their friends, intense pressure from their colleagues living overseas, where the pressure of the world at large is saying, you know, like Christianity is, uh, you know, is intolerant, it's not progressive, it's irrelevant, and uh, really it's something that you, you shouldn't go around saying that, uh, that you, you know, that you believe in. So this person <clears throat> is, is not really able to sustain uh, their faith in the light of this pressure. I wish that this person would read the two parables, because really they're very simple. The two parables are about the growing seed, right? Uh, because that's what the parables of the growing seed are trying to address. That irresistibly and invisibly, uh, the kingdom of God will continue to grow. The world may be against the kingdom of God, but it will continue to grow and grow and grow, and it will continue until God's plan has been fulfilled. And on that day, judgment will come. And if you are in the kingdom of God, you will find shelter. But if you are outside the kingdom of God, then unfortunately, judgment will come upon you. It's such a simple parable, right? About just two seeds growing up. I mean, what's the big deal? Right? But they are so deep and profound. And if you really think about it and reflect upon it, it gives us such encouragement to keep going on. In Christ. So as we come to the end of uh, this uh, section about parables, uh, I'd like to conclude by um, this true story I read in the newspaper many years ago. In Australia, when I was studying there many years ago, um, people, there's a ski season there, like there's, there's snow and mountains and everything, and there were these six young men, I remember reading a newspaper, who are getting ready to go on a cross-country skiing expedition, and they were fit they were prepared. They'd done it before. Anyway, before they left, there was a weather report saying there was a severe snowstorm that was approaching. And so the ski officials told them, you know, you shouldn't go cross-country skiing because, you know, it's really dangerous and uh, the snowstorm is coming. But anyway, they were very fit. They were prepared, done it before. So they went. Uh, never saw them again. But then when summer came, they actually found the bodies and they were only like 500 meters away from the ski station. And I remember reading that story and I was thinking, actually, the problem for these six young men was that they heard the news about the snowstorm coming. I mean, the ski officials told them they were aware of it. But somehow, it went to their mind, but it didn't really affect their heart, right? There was no change in their behavior. They still went ahead with their ski 
cross-country skiing. I think in the same way as we reflect on the parables, that can be like us. Isn't it? We hear the parable. And it's a very simple story, Amir. If you really don't understand what the story is saying, the parable is saying, you can come and speak to me again, right? I think this, the stories themselves are so simple. But the spiritual truths themselves need to be applied into our lives, right? We need, it, these stories need for us to apply ourselves into it and to be judged by the stories and we need to judge ourselves by the parables and to ask ourselves what do we need to change it needs to lead to action right it needs to lead to prescription and, and application and uh and just like those six men we can't just take it into our minds and put it aside we need to think about it to reflect upon it to meditate upon it and to ask ourselves you know are we really listening uh to god's word uh, are we really insiders to the kingdom of God? Are we really taking heed of the warnings of the parables? Because at the end of the day, like uh, the guy said in the Netflix uh, documentary, right? you know, life is a collection of choices. Uh, but the parables are much more than that. Because the choices you make today do not just affect your life for the next 70 or 80 years. It affects the eternal reality of your life, whether you are in the kingdom of God or whether you face uh, judgment. Let's go to God in prayer. <coughs> uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for your parables and uh, we really ask, dear Father, uh, that you will help us uh, to not just understand them in the descriptive way, but to apply them in a the prescriptive way that we read the parable, we understand the parable, we apply the parable to ourselves and see where we are lacking. We pray for each and every one of us here today that indeed we are insiders of the kingdom of God, that we are truly, each and every one of us here, the fourth soil, that we will heed the warnings of the parable. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.